Hello and welcome to the Stock Podcast. I'm Nate Abercrombie, the host of the only investing podcast that gives everyone the chance to hear public company CEOs and CFOs describe their business and provide the investment case for their company. In this episode, the Stock Podcast is really excited to bring you an interview with Steve Newby, founder, president, and CEO of Summit Midstream, ticker SMLP. Summit is an MLP or a midstream company. So what does Summit do exactly? Well, Summit is primarily a GNP or a gatherer and processor of natural gas and natural gas liquids. And Summit is also diversifying into the transportation of hydrocarbons, specifically natural gas out of the Permian to a natural gas hub, which is essentially a geographic location where a commodity like natural gas is traded. Summit's market capitalization is about 1.2 billion and total debt is about 1 billion. And including the preferred of about 310 million, Summit has an enterprise value of about 2.6 billion. Summit was formed back in 2009, which was right before the production of oil and gas in the United States really started to take off. But it's guys like Steve Newby who saw the growth on the horizon, took action, and built a business by capitalizing on the energy infrastructure opportunity. And Summit positioned themselves quite well. The company's asset portfolio is quite diversified. You've got a lot of natural gas exposure up in the Northeast and the Marcellus and Utica, an ideal footprint up in the Bakken, where there's some gas, but the Bakken is predominantly an oil play. And Summit has a pretty enviable position in the Piance and DJ Basin in Colorado, Utah, and Wyoming. And most recently, or at least relatively recently, Summit entered the Permian play. Now, for those listeners who aren't super familiar with all of the oil and gas shale plays in the United States, the hottest play today is the Permian. It's out in West Texas and it's in parts of New Mexico, covers an enormous amount of land, and there are multiple benches. Now, you may have heard that term in previous episodes, but a bench is, well, the best way to think about it is like a bunch of pancakes. And if you're like me, you put a lot of butter and syrup on your pancakes and you lift up every single one of those pancakes you layer on some butter and you pour on some syrup. Between every one of those pancakes, you'd have a really nice, delicious layer of sugar and fat. That's the good stuff. Well, for an oil and gas producer, the good stuff is oil and gas. And so that little space in between each pancake where you've got all that sweet, delicious goodness, that little section would be called a bench. And so the reason why the Permian is so attractive is because, well, there are just a lot of different benches throughout the play. Well, I'm getting a little bit ahead of my skis here in describing the company, and it's probably much more interesting to have Steve talk about it. But I'll just say just a few more things about Summit's financials. Summit is one of the few MLPs over the past several years that has not cut its distribution. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about when I say distribution, I'd highly encourage you to go back and listen to either the Sanchez Midstream interview or even better, you can listen to the Chris Signolfi interview where he describes how the midstream space works and a lot of the history and some of the challenges for the space going forward. But if you're wondering why I think not cutting the distribution is a real mark of honor, just think about it for a second. When you make an investment in a company, there's a little bit of an unspoken agreement between you as the investor and the management of said company. You as an investor give that company money and it's incumbent upon management teams to deliver on the things that they say to investors. In the case of Summit Midstream, you've got a management team that has delivered on everything they've told investors they would do. That lends a lot of credibility to Steve Newby and his team, in my opinion. But because of Summit's size, and because the stock isn't that widely covered by analysts on Wall Street, this MLP probably doesn't get a lot of love. 
The Bloomberg terminal includes eight sell-side or Wall Street recommendations. Two are outperform, one is an underperform, and the rest are essentially neutral. I'm happy to say that the two outperform recommendations come from two analysts that I think highly of and think do a really great job, Ethan at Baird and Elvira at RBC. Their average price target is 20 bucks, or basically $4 higher than where the shares trade today. But what's kind of funny to me, and it's one of those quirks about Wall Street, despite only having two outperform ratings, only one of the price targets is below, or at least noticeably below, where the shares currently trade. And that price target is 15 bucks. That's 8% downside. But keep in mind, Summit pays a $2.30 distribution, or dividend. That's just over 14% of the value of the shares today. So assuming the market does nothing but stay flat between now and the next 12 months, you'd still outperform based on the lowest target price within the Bloomberg terminal. Well, I'll drop my spiel there. It's a fascinating interview, and it was a real pleasure talking to Steve. So without further ado, let's get to the interview. Pleasure having you, and it's an honor to get to talk about the midstream space with you. Thanks, Nate, for having me. Uh, congrats on your, your new venture. I think it's a very, very interesting model, and um, we really appreciate you giving us the chance to uh, to talk today as well, too, and talk a little bit about Summit. Uh, it's my pleasure, really. So could we start out talking about your background? How did you first get involved in the midstream space? Yeah, sure. And I, I, I get this question a lot. So I, I actually have been in the midstream space really my whole career over the last uh, 20 plus years. Uh, I started off in banking, uh, in raising capital for, for midstream companies, both at the corporate level and then on investment banking and, and then project finance. And then right before forming Summit uh, in 2009, I actually ran a fund, prop fund for a large institutional investor who was directly investing in, in energy infrastructure. That's what I was doing right before. And then maybe it was a bad time. Uh, ended up being good timing for me, but bad timing for for that that role because the financial crisis hit <laughs> and uh, sort of through. If you were at, at any kind of investment manager or financial services company at that point in time, it threw things on head. But but through that role, I had the opportunity to meet uh, the energy capital partners, uh, guys, large private equity firm um, based out of Short Hills, New Jersey. And and they actually, uh, we I worked with them on on what I thought was possible in the midstream space going forward. And you got to remember this is back in 2009, right? So the shale revolution, as we like to call it, was, was just getting, I would say, it was known in the space if you were in the space, but just getting some some true street cred from those who weren't in the space. We sat down and on a blank sheet of paper sketched out what uh, I sketched out for them, what I thought we could do at Summit. Started the business in the spring of 09, took it, uh, ended up doing our first transaction, which was we thought was going to be M&A, uh, actually ended up being much more of a development project. We built the system underneath the city of Arlington, so not only a development project, a pretty hard one, a gathering system. Took the business in 2000, uh, public in 2012 uh, at about a billion dollar uh, market cap. Grew the business to about a total enterprise value of before sort of the downturn in 14 of about $4 billion. Uh, today we sit here, we have a total enterprise value of about uh, a little over about $3.2, 3 $3.3 billion. Market cap of about a billion three today. So so it's been a great run. Very fortunate. It's, it's I think, the combination of luck and a lot of very skilled people who have helped uh, to build the business for me. And, and, and let's be honest, a lot of a lot of tailwinds at our back, particularly in that 2010 to 2014 uh, time period in the space overall, in the midstream space overall. So, so yeah, it's been a uh, it's, it's been a fun time. The last uh, three years, uh, I've had more fun. <laughs> I had yeah. more fun in the previous three years than the last three years. But you got to go. You got to have the the good and the bad. But yeah. both, so. 
so you did mention your your you do teach, and I did see in your bio that you are are you an adjunct professor at North Carolina? Or? I am. Wow. Okay. I am. Yeah. So so I'm a. I get a lot of grief about this from my guys here. Some of the joke is I make them call me professor, but no, I, <laughs> that is a joke. By the way. I, uh, I'm a UNC grad, big Tar Heel. They actually, I helped start up about four years ago, an energy center within their bis- their graduate business school where you can, you can go back and you can, fo- energy is now one of the areas you can focus on uh, in grad school and it's full cycle. It's upstream, downstream, midstream, renewables, power. And so uh, it's a great program and I teach the midstream class oh, wow. within that. Every spring, we're now placing students at Exxon and banking and energy banking where we have one of, we have an intern that works uh, from the UNC program that's working with us this summer. So, so it's been a big success. A professor by the name of Stephen Arbogast leads it and he's an ex- Exxon executive. So yeah, that's the that's the teaching angle. I teach a, a midstream class there, and it's it's a lot of fun. Keeps me on my toes too. Yeah, I imagine. So, so you mentioned Energy Capital Partners. I was hoping that maybe you could elaborate. So they were a source of funding for you and a partner for you to build Summit. Uh, but what is the relationship today? Yeah. So they were instrumental, right? We founded the company together. They put a lot of faith in me. If you remember back in 09, their you know money was the if you had money, you had an advantage back then. And now it's a lot different today. But so, so they were instrumental. They they ended up putting, you know, they they were going to initially had plans to put uh, up to two hundred million dollars of capital behind Summit. They ended up putting north of a billion wow. to tell you how it how it grew of 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 fund capital and, and co invest capital. So so very supportive with us. So where are they today? So that was that was oh nine. It's a 10, 2010 vintage fund. They're on the back end of that fund today. You know their model. This has been no secret. No secret to the to our investor base either. Is they have to get their capital back at some point in time, and we've been doing that pretty consistently. Return cap some capital to them last year as well too. So they're on the capital return side of things now. Of of how do they exit summit? I would say orderly. It's going to be very orderly. It's still a big investment for them, and and they're still very very involved and very in tune with Summit's success long term as well too. Because it was a big investment for them, and by far of their biggest in, in the midstream space uh, to date. And so they want to make sure we're successful even when they exit. So that's where we are today. We're pretty upfront about uh, that. That's some of our issues is their ownership overhang, so to speak, on our valuation. But we think it's going to be pretty orderly. And I think um, we, we've sh- they've shown to be patient in the past, and I don't think there's any reason. I'm pretty confident they're, they're going to be pretty patient going forward as well too. Yeah. How much do they own of Summit? So they own 100% of the general partner, and then they own about 44% of our LP interest still. And then we uh, we also owe that we did a transaction with the general partner back in 2016, a big drop down transaction of, of all of our Utica assets and, and then some of the Bakken assets. And in that transaction, we structured it to where we also, they, we have a deferred payment, the MLP does, to the general partner. And so we still owe them that, and that's due in 2020. Okay. And that today is about $500 million. Yeah. So could you talk about Summit's footprint? Where, where are your areas of operation and kind of where are you focused today and, and how has that changed over time? Yeah. So we, we had early on when, when, when the strategy, given their size, energy capital size and the amount of capital they wanted to put in the space, right? We had to build a company, not a project. 
and and building a company is much different than building a project. Mm-hmm. And so one of the key tenants we had early on was we wanted to be diversified across commodity and across geography. We thought that was a good risk mitigation strategy, corporate risk mitigation, but also a good strategy for our customers where we could offer an Exxon, which is planned out. We could offer an Exxon services in the Utica, and then we could also do services for them in the Delaware, which is two places we're doing services for them and in, and in actually in the Barnett as well too. And we could do it across gas. We could go across crude oil. We could process. We could gather produce water. So it was a service offering decision as well too from diversity. So if you look at us today for a small cap MLP, we're fairly well diversified. We're across six different states. We're in our big areas of operation or in the Bakken, in the Utica, and now our growing area of operations in the Delaware. We also have a big operation in Western Colorado, slower growth area but it's large for us today too. We're about 75% natural of our EBITDA, of our cash flow today, EBITDA today. We're about 75% natural gas and about 25% crude oil or crude oil basins. That mix will will change somewhat as the Permian becomes a larger piece of our portfolio. It's obviously a crude oil basin, Delaware is. But that's where we sit today. And we can go into a producer today, the larger producers today, and offer a suite of services across multiple basins. And that has that has helped us in the past. So that's where we that's where we sit today. Yeah. When you say 75% of your cash flows or EBIT does is natural gas, mm-hmm. it, are, does that also include natural gas liquids or like, or do you just collect a processing fee and you don't have any exposure to the actual NGL? Yeah. So all of our processing arrangements are, are fee-based. So we don't have any percent of proceeds uh, on the processing side mm-hmm. of the equation. So we're, we're all, our, our, our soon-to-be operational Delaware footprint, it's all fee-based. Our processing facility in the DJ Basin, which we're expanding today, all fee-based. And then our processing in Western Colorado, all fee-based. Yeah. Okay. So we have very, overall, Nate, we're 98% fee-based, very small amount of commodity exposure in our portfolio. That's really almost by accident, candidly, we get the largest piece of it is we get some drip compensate in Western Colorado. And then we do have a POP contract on the gathering side, gas gathering side in the Bakken. Again, those are pretty small. Um, so so we're a traditional midstream fee-for-service rate times volume company. You, you mentioned diversification across basins as well as across the commodities. Could you tell me kind of what are the core, core focus areas mm-hmm. for Summit today? Yeah, I, I would tell you three for us today. Where we're, in, you know, and I think a core focus of where where can we be important? We may not be as important as we want to be today, but we think we can get there. Where where do we think we still have good accretive growth opportunities? And where can we offer producers multiple services and, and, and make money multiple different ways? I think those three areas are the Bakken where we gather all three commodities, water, gas, and and crude. And in a lot of instances, we're making money on our system from one producer, we may be making money two or three different ways from what, cause we may be gathering two commodities or in some instances, all three commodities from a pack connection. So produce water, crude oil, and gas, associated gas. Next would be the Northeast. We've invested a lot in the Northeast. Uh, it primarily came at our general partner level. The slowdown over the last couple of years has slowed the ramp of those assets, but they're still ramping pretty significantly. And we're set up to see some pretty significant growth as, as the Northeast is de-bottlenecked from a gas takeaway standpoint. We have almost 900,000 acres of dedication in the Northeast. We're one of the largest gathering footprints there. 
and it's a big area of focus there. And we think there's going to be consolidation and some organic growth opportunities there as well, as well too. The last area of focus for us from a growth standpoint is the Delaware. We told people three years ago, we, we loved the Permian Basin, loved the Delaware within that area, thought it was probably the most economical basin in the country. We wanted, though, to get there organically because acquisition-wise, we thought they were very, very expensive. People sort of looked at us like, yeah, who doesn't want to get there organically? Well, we ended up doing it with Exxon. So we're building out a system today in the northern Delaware for them, a gathering and processing complex. We've also added additional customers. We have a large interstate pipeline project that we've announced. Uh, we're in the process of making a final investment decision on that. That'll diversify our services even more. And then the Delaware is a place where I think we'll also be, we're going to add crude oil gathering by the end of this year. And I'm pretty confident we'll end up doing produce water as well too. So those three areas, the other big area for us today in our legacy positions is Western Colorado which is still a big area for us. We have scale there. The gathers in that basin, the Piance Basin are basically awesome Williams. And so we have a lot of lot of scale there, a lot of ability to, to, to make money different ways, move assets around and, and um, really optimize the system. When did you first start developing your, your business in the Northeast? And is it specifically or more specifically the Utica? Mm -hmm. So we have, we have, we have tutor, we, we service the Marcellus as well too. We, we purchased that asset in 2000, 2013. So 2013, we, we purchased that asset from, uh, from Mark West, but our big growth area area in the Northeast is our Utica position. Like I said, it's almost, it's almost nine or thousand acres of dedication. It's been growing rap basically from zero three years ago to now between our two systems, we're moving over 700 million a day. We own 40% of a JV with, with Marathon. Uh, MPLX there on the gathering side in the Utica. And then we also have 100% on the system in the dry gas part of the Utica that is growing significantly as that area gets drilled. And as some may know, the dry gas part of the Utica is, is enormous size wells uh, and very prospective even in a in a low gas price environment. Yeah, that's why I, I was curious how, what, what did you know or what did you see that enabled you to get into the Utica and the Marcellus early on because it is the preeminent mm -hmm. gas basement today. So Yes, we had a lot of conversations uh, and relationships with producers. If you look at who we're there with today in, in our, our biggest, one of our biggest customers is Exxon. We had an existing previous relationship with Exxon. Ascent, who has a lot of ex-Chesapeake guys there. We had a previous big relationship in the Barnett with Chesapeake. And then, and then we had a relationship with MPLX uh, we purchased an asset from them. If you'd like to continue listening to this interview, you'll need to become a member. To become a member, visit the website at thestockpodcast.com. Members have access to all full-length episodes. So go to the website, thestockpodcast.com, and click membership at the top. And with that, take care and good luck with your portfolio.